Episode 75, Harnessing the Power of Your Subconscious Mind with Jim Fortin. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. Napoleon Hill said the reason man may become the master of his own destiny is because he has the power to influence his own subconscious mind. Yes, uh, you probably read the book Think and Grow Rich and you have spent many hours perhaps decades, thinking about growing rich. But if it's not happening for you, this episode is going to change everything. I got my buddy Jim Fortin to talk to us this week. He has been helping people for 20 years, training them in the areas of unconscious sales influence, human effectiveness, and neuropersuasion. Jim is a leader in subconscious selling and performance, and he's on a passionate mission to help selling professionals and entrepreneurs take both their sales and personal performance to unexpected levels. This is such a deep dive conversation this week among some of the topics we'll be discussing are how your subconscious mind is what's driving your actions without you even realizing it. We'll talk about the difference between your conscious and subconscious thoughts and how they don't always work in sync with each other. Jim and I will talk about how subconscious thoughts can be hand-me-downs from your family and you don't even know it. We're going to do a deep dive into wealth consciousness and discuss why some poor families continue to stay poor while rich families generally stay rich. We'll talk about how making the decision and declaration to change your life is the first step to changing everything. We'll discuss the power of environment and how it can either help you or hinder you moving your life in the direction you want. We'll talk about why serving others, not just having a job, is the key to true wealth. And Jim's going to tell us how our identity creates our external world and how our external world is really just a projection of our beliefs objectified. This is an incredible conversation with so much value. And if it serves you, let Jim and I know you're listening. You can screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at CSC Dan Mason, and you can find Jim at I am Jim Fortin. A powerful 35 minutes is in store, my friend. We're going to teach you how to harness the power of your subconscious mind with Jim Fortin. Jim Fortin, what an honor. Welcome to Life Amplified, sir. Hey, Dan, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to help everyone or be assistance to your audience. You know, one of the topics that I have covered so much on this podcast and one of the things that we talk about is just how do you get out of your own way and get unstuck? They're stuck in the grind of the soul-sucking nine-to-five job. Maybe they're stuck in the toxic relationship. They're stuck in their finances or health. But then it's just like, okay, you know, I've spent all the time on the therapist's couch. I kind of intellectually get why my life is screwed up right now or why I'm not living at the level of how I want, but yet they can't break through. They stay stuck and they're there and taking that next step forward, they face the same fears, the same insecurities. And I think so much of your work uh, dealing for 25 years, helping people reprogram the subconscious (laughs) part of the brain is going to be so powerful. And before we get into that, I'm curious because I always, my experience has been that we're all here to teach what we've had to learn. Tell me a little bit more about your story. What was it that led you to do this deep dive into 
learning to hack your subconscious and create the life that you've created with successful coaching practice and everything else that you're doing right now. You did hit on something about subconscious reprogramming. It's interesting that everyone's heard of the subconscious mind, yet almost no one knows anything about it other than you know professionals and scientists and all that. And they still don't know a lot, but it's it drives us, yet we don't know anything about it as a population. So we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, my background, when I was uh, out of college, I was chasing money. I got into currency trading, foreign currency, Forex. I was doing very well. I was very greedy. I lost all of my money overnight, like a half million bucks. Wow. And, yeah, and I was a stupid kid. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any put aside in bank accounts and everything else. I was a dumb kid thinking, oh, I got all this money. I'll just make more money. And uh, one of the financial markets collapsed that night and wiped me out. So I said to myself, well, how do people come back from this? And I started reading the motivational stuff, Zig Ziglar, Les Brown, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't enough because it was external. I mean, I'd feel good for a few minutes, put the book down and go right back to, oh my gosh, my life's upside down, lost everything. Then I got into what's called NLP, neurolinguistic programming. And I studied that for years and I still train in NLP, meaning I still teach, I still coach. And I still wasn't getting the changes that I wanted at the level that I wanted. Then I got into hypnosis, which they start teaching in NLP. Uh, but I went on to get certified as a master hypnotist and worked at the Hypnosis Institute for years back in the early, like, 99, 2000, 2001. And I saw the changes that people were making. I mean, when I started learning this, the dramatic life changes that people were making by self-hypnosis, hypnosis, and reprogramming your subconscious mind. One caveat, people listening, people think, many people think that hypnosis is a parlor trick because they see stage shows and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it can be used for that. However, hypnosis was endorsed by the American Medical Association back in the 50s. They, they since have changed that because of their criteria. But even today, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, Columbia, the Mayo Clinic, National Institute of Health, the American Psychological, American Psychiatric, uh, Psychiatric uh, the American Dental, and the British Medical Association all endorse the efficacy of hypnosis, which I call it subconscious reprogramming, which we'll talk about. They all endorse it and the efficacy of it for healing and behavioral change. Hmm. So I know I talked really fast there, but that's the background very quickly. Amazing. Let's dive into this. One of the things that people are always shocked by when I talk about it, and I know that you've mentioned this point in the past as well, is mm -hmm. 95% of our thoughts, behavior, how we show up in the world really isn't happening at the conscious level of awareness, that we just rehearse these patterns so much. Can you speak to a little bit more on just how powerful the subconscious is and how usually it's what's driving the bus with any of the results that we're getting, positive or negative in our life? Yes, um, absolutely correct. Let's take this two places, subconscious mind and reptilian brain. Three large parts of the brain, the predominant parts of the brain are the prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain listening now, the executive part of the brain, and saying, okay, this makes sense, whatever, and you whatever your brain's saying. The limbic system, the mammalian brain, which is the middle brain, the emotional brain, and the reptilian brain, which is the smallest part of the brain uh, of those three and the oldest part of the brain. It works on fight or flight, and that part of the brain is the part of the brain responsible for autonomic nervous system and habits. Research at the Max Planck Institute, which is one of the foremost research institutes in the world, has demonstrated that up to 95% of what we do is completely brain-based. It's habit. However you got up this morning, whatever you did in terms of your, your behavior, you do every morning in the same sequence. Mm -hmm. However you drive to work, you drive to work every day the same way. Whatever we do in our lives, literally, brain, I mean, neuro just demonstrated, it's proven. 95% is already determined by the brain, even while we think that we're thinking about something, which means, to demonstrate here, 
Um, Dan, um, have you ever driven across town and you're in your head and you get across town and you're like, how did I drive? I don't remember driving here. Sure. But yet it's your brain and your unconscious mind, which we'll go to in a minute. Your brain drives you there. And we have no conscious awareness of even driving there for 15 minutes. So that's one aspect. And they're interwoven and nobody knows to what degree or how. But then we have the unconscious mind. The mind and the brain are two very different things. So then the unconscious mind, we have paradigms, which means our identity of who we are. Now, it's about lunchtime where you are. If I brought a plate of liver and onions and put it in front of you, would you eat it? Uh, not my jam. I'm not on the liver. <laughs> I'm not team liver. <laughs> there you go. Not team liver. Okay. But here's the thing. You don't look at the liver and onions and say, hmm, it's Tuesday. Would I eat liver and onions today? I don't know. What happens is your brain automatically says, and literally like two hundredths of a nanosecond, boom, you don't eat liver and onions. Therefore, you don't eat liver and onions. But that decision has been made at some point in your past because you're working on brain autopilot. Wherever you are in your life, if you're stuck in a job, a soul-sucking job, wherever you are is because you were there on autopilot. And then people try to change consciously, but they're running some kind of unconscious paradigm or habit and mainly the habit is fear, that keeps them trapped in the soul-sucking job. So on the conscious level, people say, well, this job is security, this job pays well, I know what I'm making every two weeks, but subconsciously there is a part of them that says, oh my God, my needs won't be met if I'm not in this job, maybe my family won't approve of me. Is this the sort of stuff that we're that we're getting to, is the programming underneath yeah. the surface? Yeah, and it could be a myriad of that. For example, and I mean this in a very respectful way because this is what uh, the population does. Um, I've always been, always for the most part, been self-employed since I was out of college. Always been an entrepreneur. Um, I was actually trained. I use that word. I picked that word to go to college and get a career and all that kind of stuff. Never worked for me. Yet many people who go to those jobs use the word security. There is no such thing as security. It's an illusion. In that, you know what? People can save their entire life and get hit by a bus. They retire yeah. Monday, you know, retire Friday, and they get hit by a bus on Monday. You know, when I lost all that money, there's no security. There's security is an illusion. Um, and then you alluded to also that. And by the way, I think Warren Buffett said, if you, you know, I think people want jobs for security. But that's one of the most insecure places to be because look at 2009, all these people working at all these companies for 20 years and they get axed. That is so fascinating. And I always tell people like as much grief as the millennial generation gets, I think the millennials have so much wisdom because they were the ones who watched their parents slaving away 50 hours a week at a job yeah. and then just saw them get thrown out the door in 2009. They saw their parents working hard to buy the dream home because that's air quote, the American dream. And then and that house was worth nothing because the stock market crashed. Like, I, I just think the millennials have such a different perspective because they've seen the illusion in action. Yeah, and I'll come back to your original question, but let me add, we just talked about um, somebody just a couple of minutes ago that you'd heard me on his podcast a while back. And I did a seminar in 2009 because I wanted to help people. And I, I, for many years, I taught subconscious persuasion and influence. And I did, I did a seminar, 100 people back in 2010 for mid-level executives who were displaced. Now, I live in Dallas. We have a lot of Fortune 500s. We have EDS, and which is not Fortune 500, but EDS, Frito-Lay, JCPenney, Container Store, Mobile Exxon, et cetera. 
And I did a seminar and I, I capped it at 100 people. I made it 99 bucks so anybody could afford it. Mid-level people still told me, oh, I can't afford $99. Oh, now, my God. Yes. Yes. Now, I asked the audience. I said, how many of you have been unemployed for one year? And literally about 80% of the audience raised their hand. I said, how many of you have been unemployed for two years? And that covered every single person in the audience. Now, mind you, unemployed for a year. So let's get the programming in a moment. Now, the person that you and I just talked about prior to this call is a millennial. Well, he's 36. He is an online marketer. And when we go back here, so that room, I said, how many of you have thought about starting an online business? One person out of 100 raised their hand, meaning 99 people had not thought about it. Then that person called me a week later, got my number somewhere and said, well, what do I do? And my thought was, why are you calling me? Why not go figure this out? However, the millennial that we talked about earlier as on his podcast will make $10 million this year online. Wow. Yet the baby boomers are still actually, a lot of the baby boomers are still, and, and the world is still necessary. I mean, the major corporations and all that, but a lot of these people are so entrenched in the culture of working for someone else for security. There is no security. They're working their lives away and they're on these paychecks. When I see people, I can't tell you the amount of my clients that are in their 20s that are making millions a year with online businesses, all identity as well. One of the things that I'm always fascinated about in my coaching, and I know that you work at the level of belief, and what I'd love to get your thoughts on today are what causes the beliefs in the first place, because nobody comes out of the womb like, you know, we come out kicking and screaming and announcing <laughs> ourselves to the world. So at what point do we collapse? And in my work, I see so much of that happen just because of trauma and inheriting a lot of the beliefs of our parents. But when you talk about the baby boomers and having many boomer clients myself, you know, a lot of those people grew up as children of parents who were in the Great Depression. Correct. And that financial trauma of not having the needs met got passed down and a new belief was created, even though none of us really have to worry about standing in a bread line anymore. You know, I have my own podcast and I, I speak at a lot of events and I talk to a lot of people and I'm on a lot of podcasts. You're nailing it. Literally, most people I kind of have to generally kind of lead back to more accurate comments sometimes, not most, many. Um, you're, you got it. No, because my parents, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the last of the baby boomers, 1965. My parents learned from their parents and my grandfather was alive during the Great Depression and I even heard him say as a kid, well, this is nothing compared to the Great Depression. You should have seen that. So they pass, and you are correct, that trauma onto their kids who are generally our parents. And then people, you know, pass it on the kids. But the baby boomers are the first generation that are getting relief from that because they were born in the 80s. And now they're seeing Bill Gates and people like this. It's a whole different world. Amazing observation there. So when we talk about so many of these beliefs that become generational, You know, you talk about your subconscious programming. A lot of it is generational and also why a lot of times you see people who have a harder time, a more difficult time digging out of a poverty background, you know, because if their parents didn't do well, they have a limited scope or vision of what they believe is possible for them. How can somebody today start to overcome this and be that transitional figure who says, you know what, I am stepping into abundance or I am stepping away from working 30 years for the same company. I am going to create my own schedule. How can they start to address at that subconscious level to help them move forward? That's an easy question and a big question. So let's go back here. You'd ask when we start the second question or a question ago, when we start learning, we start learning the second we're out of the womb 
um, even though we don't have cognitive function. Around the age of one or so, we already are, are cognizant of things. One of my best friends, he and his wife have their, their daughters too now. And I was at their house in California and she went in the house. We were sitting on the back porch. She went in the house and looked for her blankie, meaning her, you know, her blanket. Mm -hmm. She didn't know I was watching her. And she actually went searching the house looking for her blanket until she found it. Cognitive function. We start learning um, literally like the second we pop out of the womb, we're a video camera and audio camera. And even though we don't have cognitive function at that point, around the, the age of one or so, we're already videotaping everything in our minds. And we, that's where we start learning because we come into the world like John Locke said, a British philosopher, tabula rasa, a blank slate, and we learn from our parents. Now, we have fourth generations of families on public assistance in the United States. Why? Because they learn it. So not always, but a lot of times, people that are born in the poor families become poor. People that are born in the wealthy families stay wealthy. Not 100%, but it's pretty common. This is why you see people that are born in the Jewish families, they generally become Jewish, and people born in Christian families, they become Christian. It's because it is, and this is the word people don't like, but it is indoctrinated into us. Mm. Now, a lot of people don't really, they don't think about this. Dan, where, where did you grow up? My early childhood in Houston, Texas, and we moved to Maryland when I was about 11. Now, in the morning, um, in kindergarten, first, second, third grade, this could bomb, but it generally happens to most of us. Did they line you up and say the Pledge of Allegiance? Yes, they did. Okay. Well, when you were five years old, do you even know what allegiance is? Probably not. No, not at all. So I pledge allegiance to the flag, and they're lining us up at five years old doing that, which they do in countries all over the world for their nationality. And guess what? You're being indoctrinated, but we don't look at it that way. Now, your parents and your culture indoctrinate you with um, or about money. So then we learn it. Now, your next question is, most people never break out of that. I grew up with a brother. He never broke out of that. He probably works for 20, hour, 20 bucks an hour as a ranch hand, yet I charge literally thousands and thousands of dollars per hour to coach people. You know, what I make in an hour, he probably makes in a month, literally, but we grew up in the same household. Now, I early on, here's the, here's the thing, I decided when I was in high school that I wasn't going to live like my father who was working class. Um, I decided that I wasn't going to live paycheck to paycheck even though I was indoctrinated that way. And I was even berated because in the early 80s we were in a bad recession and my father and uncle would berate me and show me the newspaper and say, how do you expect to get ahead? Look at this economy we're living in. I have never worked from that place. And people have asked me the same question, how do you get out of it? I look back to me and I'm like, you know what? I just decided I was going to have a different life. And we can dig into that more, but that's that's that point, that fail point or success point about wealth. Because see, we can have anything. Money's available, money's everywhere. There's a million ways to make a million dollars. But it's when we come to that decision point that I'm not going to live that way. And for me, that was the definitive moment. So uh, for a lot of people, and maybe maybe you would agree with this, it gets to the point where the suffering or the, the circumstances of the environment become so overwhelming or overbearing for you that you have to make a non-negotiable decision that this is it. I, I'm stepping into a new way of life and I'm not going back. Let me add there two stories, quick ones. Number one, be careful, everyone listening, because you can decide that you're going to do a new way. But here's the thing. If you do not change your money consciousness, let's say that you're broke in your mind. You're always broke. And you're like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to start my own company. But you start your own company and your money consciousness is still like money's hard to come by. You will fail in that company. 
Let me go somewhere else and we'll come back to that. Someone else that I coach, um, his company makes about $100 million a year. He's 35 years old. And in 2012, um, and I've, I've coached him and mentored him since 2010. In 2012, he finished the year broke. 2013, he finished the year making a million dollars. I remember our conversation. I said, what changed? And he said, I decided that I wasn't going to be broke anymore. So Dan, I'd like to dig into, if you want, this is your call and, and for your audience, but please be careful of just saying, well, I'm going to quit this job and start my own XYZ business. Mm -hmm. If the money consciousness is not changed, the XYZ business will fail. And you've been around the internet marketing world for a while, I think. Yeah, about five years. Okay, so you've seen a lot of people that are like, I'm an engineer, I'm not doing this. And I'm a salesman, I'm not doing this. And I'm a, I'm a housewife, and I'm not doing this. And I'm a librarian, I'm not doing this. I'm going to start my own online business. Yet, 95% of people fail. So if at the level of belief... There is still subconsciously a belief that money is not available. Money is hard to come by. We also subconsciously create a situation that has to prove that story correct. Is that what you're saying? To some degree, yes. You, you're on the right track there for sure. But let me add something else. Okay, this is what I know. I make millions of dollars per year. And I say that for only for to, to help illustrate here. Is But I grew up working class. And I grew up where money's hard to come by. Money's not easy. You got to struggle. All that kind of stuff. The shift for me was not about my shift in money mindset. My shift for me, and this is what I teach people and people teach different things, but when you go out and you serve people with an open heart, you find people that need help and you serve them and you serve them better than anyone else, money flows to you. Mm. So I don't, people have asked me, Jim, when did you shift your belief about money? Now my belief is that money flows into my life like water. I have the evidence of that, but I also work from a different perspective than most people, and this is something that I've learned and I have found to be true for me, um, and I find it to be true based on physics as well, is that money doesn't come from work. See, people go to nine to five jobs because they want money. They think if I trade my hours, I'm going to get thousands of dollars. Money does not come from work. This is a little woo-woo, but money comes from the universe, and that is physics, which has been demonstrated by the double-slit experiment, which is an experiment in physics, which demonstrates that we live in, the, obviously, well, it doesn't demonstrate, but we live in an atomic universe, and the physical world bends to our consciousness, which is also ancient wisdom. So where I work from is the more expansion that I create in the world, and not just value, but expansion in lives, the more money that flows back into my life, and that's what I call the reciprocity of life. Mm. So for somebody listening today who's like, Dan and Jim, I get it. <laughs> Right. Like I need yeah. to be able to open myself up and step into a higher level of wealth consciousness. But I also just open up my online banking and there's nothing there. And, yeah. and I don't mean that to laugh about people's financial struggles because no, I've been, been there. there. I, 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 yeah, I was the guy that started yeah. a business when I left corporate and lost all my money in the first 18 months <laughs> because I'm laughing I, with you. I've been there. I had been this guy. <laughs> so many people are looking for the external proof. Yep. before they can make the internal switch that I need to see six zeros in the bank account or four zeros to believe that there's abundance available to me. That's backwards thinking. We have evidence all around us that that is backwards thinking. But how does the person who's grown up now with the generational financial trauma, 
who's still struggling, maybe working two jobs to get by. Is there an actionable step that they can take today that's going to help them step into a new way of life? This is a matter of re-education. We have to re-educate ourselves. What we've learned about money is wrong. And I'm going to go here out on the limb, but if people explore this on their own, I promise they're going to find the answers they've been looking for. So is it okay if I refer a couple of books? Absolutely. When people start in coaching with me, there's two books that I refer. One is The Complete Works of Florence Scovel, S-C-O-V-E-L-S-H-I-N-N. She wrote that book about 100 years ago. What I do want to point out, one caveat here, is that she wrote it from the Christian perspective. What the audio program tells you that I agree with, if that doesn't resonate with you, change the word God to divine force, uh, divine energy, the cosmos, spirit, whatever you want. The content in that book is solid, and it's the best book that I've ever read in my life. And I also work, my brother-in-law is a shaman. Shamans are healers or Native American medicine men, and he's taught me the same stuff in that book about how to, make, how to attract money. That's one book. Another book is called Dollars Flow to Me Easily. It's on Amazon. They're both on Amazon for like five bucks. Dollars Flow to Me Easily. His name is Richard Dots. That book is phenomenal. When we work from money is consciousness and consciousness is thought, which I'm sure you're familiar with what we think, what we create, think and grow rich, uh, classic. When we work from money is consciousness, money is thought, and we work from abundance of that, that's when we start attracting. And to prove that, have you noticed that people who need the money the most, they think about not having it the most, have the least amount of money? Yes, absolutely. The people who are obsessed over the lack in their life generally perpetuate more lack. Correct. People will get the book and they're like, and I, I, like I said, these are the foundation, these two books. I started my coaching program with, with these two books because money is the biggest challenge for most people, but it's the easiest thing to make because there's a million ways to make a million dollars. But I start them on these books and people read them and they're like, well, these are really good. And I say, pick it up and read it again and again and again until it becomes you. We have to become new consciousness, new ways of thought, which affect our electromagnetic vibration because we're all electromagnetic beings. And to prove that, when a person has a heart attack and they're unconscious, they get shocked. We have an EEG and an EKG. And we can have some people right now, some naysayers saying, well, oh, all this stuff you're talking, fine, don't believe it, it's okay. I don't, it doesn't matter. But ancient wisdom demonstrates this and modern science demonstrates that we're all bundles of consciousness and we attract the dominant object of our consciousness. So if our dominant object is poverty, no money, poverty, no money, that is our experience. And then we create a belief that we have no money and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let's talk about the importance of the environment that you're in when it comes to manifesting the wealth or creating this new set of beliefs. Because I Huge. think so many people, they listen to the podcast, they're motivated, they're ready to go out and light the world on fire. You know, they're ready to go live their yep. purpose. But then you're surrounded by the same circle of people who might be dwelling in lack or might be negative or might be taking a dump all over your dreams that you want yep. to bring forward into the world. This was a big thing for me personally. I actually came from a family that did really well. My dad was a successful CEO of a major broadcasting corporation. 
corporation at mm. one point in his career. But my dad was also like a company guy. You know, he just believed yeah. that you, you go to work and, <laughs> and you put in the time and you hustle and you grind and you climb the ladder. And, you know, then you enjoy the golden years in retirement. And then I also was in a relationship when I started my business with a woman who's like, wait, you want to teach people to go live their purpose? She's like, nobody even has a purpose. We're like, we're born, we go to work, we die, we rot in the ground and get eaten by worms. So on one hand, you know, I had very influential person in my life and I've loved my dad. He's a great man, but he's like, ah, you know, son, just go back to corporate, build your business slowly. And on the other hand, I had somebody who's like, this thing that you want to teach people is a bunch of crap anyway. (laughs) But notice, and I I don't want to write, but I do, because you said something pivotal there. What you want to teach is a bunch of crap anyway, but we live in a world that's in financial bondage. Yeah. By the way, everyone listening, I mean this respectfully. I want you to have like an amazing life. I want you to have a bank account full of money. And this is not so like you can have, which I have, like a Porsche or a second home, which I have. That's not for that. We don't, what I tell people is we don't use money to define ourselves. We use it as a tool to serve more people. And mainly what I want to remove people from is that grind. I mean, this sucks the life out of people when they go to these jobs They've got bad managers and they can't see their kids because they're working all the time. I mean, is this any way to experience this existence on this planet is to be like a slave to money? But the world lives like that. It's the environment. It's the the impact of the environment and your social circle on creating the life that you want, because you can you can do the work at the level of belief that if you're hanging out in the same old environments, it's tough to move forward, isn't it? Beautiful question. I love it. Did Did you know that and this is all medically, scientifically documented? Did you know that in the Vietnam War, there was a significant amount of soldiers, like 50, 60 percent or even more that were addicted to heroin? Yes. Plain and simple is the Pentagon was very worried that all these soldiers were going to come back addicted to heroin. Well, what happened is they came back and they all stopped the heroin. What research showed is that the environment created the attic. When they changed their environment, the attic no longer existed. Our environments are vital. Now, even me, I coach some pretty influential people. As a matter of fact, you mentioned somebody's mastermind before we, you know, before we started. I hang out with that person's coach, mm. which has been a friend of mine for 20 years. He's a legend in the industry. And when I'm hanging out with him, I feel different because, I mean, this guy's really, he's the coach to the coach to the coach to the coach. When I'm hanging out with him, I feel different when I'm in his office or at his house than I am when I'm just hanging out by myself or people that aren't doing things in the world. And I mean that respectfully because we're all doing different things. My mom, her whole goal was to be a housewife. I think that's honorable. She wanted to be a mother. That's honorable. So it's not like, oh, you know, some people have to set the world on fire. That's none of that. But the environment. When I'm in different environments, I feel different ways because of the people in my environment. And a lot of people, to your question, they have somebody in the environment dragging them down. Let me go one step further here. In my coaching programs, I see a lot of this. Men or women will be married to to someone that's the one sitting on the couch. So people in my programs are like, I want to transform my life. I want to create something new and different and have a more powerful life. And the person at home is dragging them down. And then we have to look at, well, what is the quality of the relationship? And that's something I don't really want to dig into because that's a big can of worms. But to your question, you are spot on. Environment is vital. So much to unpack here. What we're talking about at the end of the day, then, is changing the identity at the level of the subconscious. Let's take that back to what we just talked about. Let's say that either, because I've seen it both ways, both uh, both genders, a man or a woman. 
And they're like, you know what? I'm stuck in this relationship. I want so much more. But you know what? I'm stuck here because of A, because we have kids. B, mm. I, I need the security. C, and this is also brain-based, at least if I'm here, I know what's going to happen. Sure. D, if I leave, I don't know what's going to happen. And I can go even further, but that's all identity. So this is even a, pr uh, a primary level of identity is what keeps me trapped in this environment. So then keep on going. You're, you're spot on. So the identity is, for many people, is a sense of obligation to others. Yes. Yep. It's also an identity of not being enough in some yep. way. I'm not enough. I'm not resourceful enough, creative enough, good enough, young enough, old enough. Smart enough. Secure enough, Dan. You're nailing it. Seriously, got everyone listening. This guy knows his stuff. And I talk to a lot of people. You know your stuff. We've got those identities. We've got the identity of my my family history that I'll never rise up above it. Or I've seen a lot of. I don't want to be more successful than my father, and they never even explore this because if I am, then what's my father going to think of me? Mm. Let's keep on going. Yeah, you're. This is the sweet spot for everyone listening, and I'll give them give them an example. But you are correct. Many people, um, somebody in my group coaching right now, he was holding himself back because he thought if he and his brother's his best friend, but his brother doesn't really do well financially, and he thought, well, if I make a lot of money and I have a lot more than my brother, um, then my brother's going to resent me. He's going to look down to me. Sure. Um, what's going to happen if I have more money? Which what's going to happen? There's part of the brain, research has demonstrated this, that the brain wants predictability. And if we can't predict what's going to happen, we do not act. So a man or a woman, uh, equal opportunity, you know, genders here, because I've seen both, a man or a woman that's in an abusive relationship, but it's predominantly women, will stay. The main reason is because they can predict what's going to happen tomorrow. And research has demonstrated that's a very powerful and driving force is that we need to know, we want to know, we want to predict what's going to happen, and we will stay in bad environments as long as we can predict what's going to happen. So let's dig in some more. But yes, I think everyone listening, you have let them there and nailed it. Everything comes down to what is my subconscious identity. So number one, I think, is just building an awareness on what your subconscious identity is. What do you believe about yourself? Let's dialogue because I want to take this apart for everyone. Okay, so Dan, did you smoke any cigarettes today? I did not. How come? I have never smoked in my life. You are a non-smoker in your behavior. Yes. Which means you're a non-smoker in your identity. Mm. So let's take this apart. Let's bring it all the way home. All right. So I didn't smoke either because I am a non-smoker in my identity. We do whatever our identity is. So you had just mentioned about, well, we have to look at this, you know, awareness of identity. We don't need any awareness. We just look at our external world. If you look at your bank account and there's no money, that is your identity. Wow, you look at your damn. bank account and there is a lot of money. That is your identity because your external world is your beliefs objectified and your beliefs come from your identity. And people have said to me, Jim, if my beliefs are unconscious, then how do I know what my beliefs are? That is easy. Look at your external world. If you are in an abusive relationship, that is your identity. If you are afraid to leave a relationship, that is your identity. If you are in a healthy relationship, that is your identity. So I tell people this, is that it's easy to do what you are. So if you're a smoker in your identity, it's easy to smoke. And it's hard to do what you are not. 
So for example, you are not a smoker, therefore it would be hard for you to, to smoke today, right? It would be very difficult. Right. It'd be <laughs> Impossible. Hard. Exactly. Well, if you do, we want to get that on video so we can put it on YouTube, <laughs> get a good laugh out of it. But it's hard for you to do because you're not that. Now, let's go to what people want because they think it provides security. If you are wealthy in your mind, it's easy to become wealthy in the external world. If you are poor in your mind, then it is hard, no matter what you do with business or anything else, to become wealthy in the external world, meaning your environment, because you are poor in your mind. Your external environment will always reflect your internal environment. Yet we live in a world with many of the motivational speakers and the social media personalities that will say, go work until your eyeballs bleed and hustle and grind and all this stuff. And people go hustle and grind, but they're poor in their mind. Therefore, they hustle and they grind for pennies instead of millions. If somebody wants to be aware all they have to do is take inventory and perhaps journal about the things in their life that aren't going the way that they want, and that will clue them into subconscious identity. Yes, look at your life. Look at your entire life and even your health. I mean, if you're 70 pounds overweight, now, let me share with you also, there's so many factors here. We live in a culture in the United States that's an instantaneous culture, and it thrives on immediacy and things like fast food. Not only that, people are being manipulated because the fast food companies know how to actually set off trigger centers in the brain. Um, did you know, for example, that Doritos knows how many pounds of all this is all research demonstrated. Doritos knows how many pounds of pressure that they have to actually cook the Dorito to. So when you bite into it, it has that crackle to it. They cook them to that temperature deliberately to create that experience. Cheetos puts the uh, which I don't eat any of this stuff anymore. And I used to. So no judgments. Uh, I haven't I haven't eaten like that in 25 years. But uh, Cheetos puts uh, the uh, the orange stuff on Cheetos and you have to lick your fingers. Do you know why? Why? When you lick your fingers, your fingers are some of the most sensitive parts of your body. It releases endorphins in the brain. Makes you feel good and ties the brain to feeling good to eating Cheetos. McDonald's knows uh, that the brain, the older part of the brain thrives on fatty foods and salt. Look at the French fries. I mean, I'm telling you, I haven't eaten McDonald's in 25 years, but McDonald's fries are pretty darn tempting. But see, so when I say... The, a lot of our environments have been created through rote behavior and habit over the years, and we don't think about that. So when I talked about weight is if you're 70, you know, let's, let's say at one point you were trim, but you're 50, 60, 70, 100 pounds overweight, most likely that has been conditioning, which is habit, which is now turned into identity, and you air quote, see yourself as an overweight person, and then the, the identity reinforces. So... The identity has been there. It's reinforced. We've learned now to, how to take inventory to build awareness of what the identity is if we didn't know that we had one. I'm curious, the next step for somebody to transcend the identity is blank. What is that? Awareness is great. How do they transcend it? I would, this is what I would tell people is, and by the way, I don't know the guy and he owes me some commissions and I'm just kidding. There's not a lot of books out there on habit. I have not read his book yet I, because I teach habit at a subconscious and brain-based level as well. Uh, there's a book by a guy named James Clear, C-L-E-A-R, and it's called Atomic Habits. I've, Again, I've referenced that book on this podcast many times. Okay, good. <laughs> it's awesome. Good. I tell everybody that you don't get in life what you want. You get in life what your habits are. And habits are actually very challenging for a lot of people to break because they don't know how to break habits. And I don't know if James Clear teaches that in his book, 
but I actually broke a 20-year Diet Coke habit because that stuff is addictive literally in, in an hour by learning the dialogue with my reptilian brain, the older part of the brain. What I tell people to do, and I probably should write a book on this as well. I don't know what's in James Clear's book, but you know what? I've, I've, I've heard enough about it that, hey, go get it. But habits. Habits create, you don't get in life what you want. You get in life your habits. And your habits are both, people think they're only behavioral. That's incorrect. Or only part of the story. What are your thought habits? Because what you think, you think over and over and over and over again. I would start small something very small, like making my bed every day and start training the brain to be disciplined with new habits. That's the place to start in my interpretation. Absolutely. Well, Jim, this has been uh, more than I expected, my friend. What an awesome conversation and truly an honor to speak with you. I appreciate you joining <laughs> me today. Where can people find you online? First, um, thank you for the invite. Uh, this information is so necessary for people. And somebody once said to me, "What's your, you know, what would your USP be, your unique selling proposition? And that would be liberating people from themselves. Because we trap ourselves. Um, easy. Um, JimFortin.com. My name, JimFortin.com. Uh, my podcast, obviously, is on iTunes, but it's also, we list episodes on JimFortin.com on a weekly basis. Amazing. Jim, such a pleasure. I hope we get to do this again soon. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. And I wish the best to everyone. That whole interview, chock full of aha moments and breakthroughs, but perhaps none bigger for me than the conversation about subconscious identity. Your life is a product of your standards and also remembering that none of us get what we want in life, but we all get what we believe we deserve. So all you have to do to see what your subconscious identity is, is take a look at the results that you're getting. This is one of the things I see and hear most often from so many people who reach out to me after listening to the podcast. They want to invest in mentorship and coaching. They want to move their life forward. But so many decisions that they're making is happening based on their current subconscious identity. People say, well, Dan, I can't afford to invest in myself right now. Once I create more money, then I'll call you back. But at the level of identity, it's all about struggle. It's all about financial scarcity, and they continue to make decisions that perpetuate that. So really, one of the best ways to upgrade your identity is you have to make a choice from the part of you that you want to bring forward instead of the part of you that's going to keep you stuck. When I signed up for my first high-level mentorship program, I didn't have the money in the bank to pay for it, but I knew that it was something that I wanted to create. I knew I wanted to have more wealth in the bank, so I just invested. I put it on a credit card and I said, I will figure it out later. But choosing to make a decision from an identity of wealth and possibility instead of struggle and limitation is what changed everything in my life and in my business. So the first step to committing to a new way of life is you have got to make choices from the identity you want to bring forward, not from the identity that you presently have. This conversation can apply to your finances. It applies to relationships, health, wherever it it is you're trying to amplify your life. I love this conversation with Jim. If this served you, please let us know you were listening. We'd love to connect with you. Screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. You can tag me at CSC Dan Mason, and you can find Jim at I am Jim Fortin. Also, check out his podcast, which recently debuted top 10 on Apple. So kudos to him, and we'd love to get him back on the show in the future. Hey, if you're looking for some mental 
mentorship and coaching to help you integrate what you're learning and actually apply it to your life. You know, there's no bigger tragedy than when you have the aha moment and then you just put your phone away and you wake up tomorrow morning. You're like, oh, yeah, what was that stuff Dan and Jim were talking about? We want to get you into implementation and action. That's what my coaching programs are all about. I do have a couple of VIP spots left in the month of August. You can go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net for all the info on that. Also, for my friends in South Florida, I'm going to be in your neighborhood. I'm going to be in Fort Lauderdale August 29th through August 31st and will be available for in-person intensive sessions with me. So just reach out uh, through all the contact information in the show notes. We can get you scheduled and we'll link up face-to-face. Would love to be able to work with you in person, help you create massive momentum so that 2020 is the best, most amplified year of your life. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.